The Third Man Podcast is a fan-made, not-for-profit, just-for-fun celebration of Jack White and is in no way directly affiliated with Third Man Records or the man himself. For the definitive history of Jack White and his music, please consult your local Jack White. And for everyone else looking for a home, you found one here, in a place so seedy. Enjoy! Welcome back to the Third Man Podcast, Paul. It's weird that I'm saying that first. I'm not used to being the one to intro the pod. It's been a little while, but it's about time, you know. Welcome to the Third Man Podcast. I am your co-host, James Kaminsky. I'm your co-host, Paul Kaminsky. This is a Jack White and Third Man Records history program, and we're doing a sort of a pseudo part two-ish thing, kind of, to last episode where we uh, talked about the album cycle run-up to the new Jack White album, Fear of the Dawn. But James, I hear tell little birdie, a little birdie told me that uh-huh. there's two albums. I mean, A, you're insane if a bird told you this. And B, <laughs> a bird yes, did tell, you're, yeah. <laughs> you're I, correct. That bird was correct. Um, <laughs> and whatever strange animal you hallucinated uh, telling you this was, was actually factual there. Do you know and, my middle yes, name is actually Doolittle? And I have the Doolittle powers, but only the version from the Eddie Murphy movie. Okay. So a sassy little girl tells me that I'm talking to the to the beluga whale wrong. Paul, me and you, uh, if if some listeners are new, might not know we're brothers. And my middle name is also Doolittle, because that's how family names work. But uh-huh. I'm the one from the Robert Downey Jr. one. Ah, I see. That no one saw. Right. It was so... That was right before Pandy, wasn't it? It just came out right at right. But <laughs> that's it, also what he what Robert Downey Jr. called his panda friend. <laughs> uh, coincidentally, the panda did have did have COVID, and, and I have Iron Man powers. I don't have the ability to speak to this panda. This is a lot. This, we're talking this about a lot. a lot of a lot of stuff. We're right really now. diving. We're really diving into the depths of bad podcasting. Yes, we're talking today about the follow up album in this two album release schedule that Jack has going on. We're we're going to be talking about entering. Heaven Alive. I don't know why I staggered the speech like that, but we're talking about Entering Heaven Alive, the second of the two album set that is coming out. It'll be coming out in, I think, June, right? July. I think it's July. It's a softer album, and so far, I must confess, I really prefer, I think, the tracks on Entering Heaven Alive to the tracks of Fear of the Dawn, although as of the recording of this episode... The, some of the first advanced reviews of Fear of the Dawn had started have started to filter out, and it's been getting some high marks, what we've seen so far. And so, yeah, I mean, I'm excited for both albums. Don't get me wrong. I'm excited for both, although I think I'm a little, just an inkling, just a little fraction more excited for 
entering heaven alive. Yes. I mean, me and you kind of share similar Jack White tastes, I would say, for the most part. I think me and you are both more excited for that one. Although I do, I do like the harder stuff. So I'm, I'm curious. Uh, for those of you who didn't listen to the previous episode, we, we went in depth onto Fear of the Dawn, the first of the two albums that are that's coming out. Jack had recorded during COVID lots of material and started to find that the different tones of the songs started to really kind of emerge as two separate albums. So he had a lot of like very quiet, gentle songs and he had a lot of very harder, rockier tunes. And so he he found that he couldn't really combine them. So he, he decided to make two albums kind of themed around those two tones. And I, I like I like that tone. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Uh, but I, the Taking Me Back was very, very good. But yes, I like a cold mountain jack. I like a soothing... Agree. Acoustic jack. Hard agree. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the Buckets thing, I think we also mentioned last time, isn't really new. He's done this <laughs> in terms of writing for different groups that he's in. So it's new that it's a Jack White solo division. That is something that is new. And certainly we've never got two albums at the same time. So I'm... Really looking forward to the gentler stuff, the Cold Mountain Jack, as you say. That's some of my favorite stuff. But James, <gasps> before we get to all of that, should we stop breaking down? Yes, we should, James. <laughs> oh, I got it right. Yeah. Let's uh, stop a breaking down. <laughs> While Paul looks for that, I'm going to tell you all about what Stop Breaking Down is. Sometimes we get things wrong. So we take this segment here to correct those things that are incorrect. And you all out there, tell us when we are incorrect. Boy, this is the worst explanation yeah, I've ever we, given. We strive to be as correct as possible, I would like to say. I, the way you phrased that was just like, sometimes we just say stupid shit. Well, we do, but we strive to be as correct as possible, but we also claim not to know everything. So sometimes you all call us out on that. And James, last time we were talking about the vinyl pressing plant and you know supply chain shortage that is causing major delays in the production of vinyl records and how, as Jack White put it in his challenge to the major labels, a small punk band can't get their record pressed for six months to a year at some junctures. And so vinyl demand is, has increased significantly. We've talked a lot about this on the podcast. In fact, we did a show about it earlier in this season, uh, Jack White and the Vinyl Revolution starring Jesse Zilka from Jesse Carl Vinyl. And uh, anyway, so we were talking about how there was, you had mentioned actually that there was one record that you couldn't quite remember what it was, but it was a pop record that basically just wreaked all kinds of havoc in the world of vinyl production because it was so wildly sought after and therefore took up all the space on all the available pressing plants that it just can send ripple effects across the whole industry you had said you had thought it was a lana del rey record which mm -hmm. you know makes sense she's popular presses her stuff to vinyl etc it was david bins 24 on instagram he made the album who hashtagged stop breaking down 
which is great because that means he's a listener and not just a pedant, which is awesome. <laughs> and he says it was Adele that held up the pressing plants, not Lana Del Rey. Keep it up, fellas. Thank you so much, David. That was really nice of you. And yes, that makes much more mm-hmm. sense. And her album, you know, again, I think I've talked about this. I like the Adele album. I am not a huge Adele fan. I just like her voice. So I was, you know, less impressed with the songs and more just like really letting her vocal wash over me. And yeah, that album that she put out, 30, was very, very, very popular. So that makes perfect sense. Thank you, David, for pointing that out. And uh, to recycle the joke, I said to David, well, you can't spell Lana Del Rey without Adele in there. So Boom. That's a, that's <laughs> Boom. a recycled, recycled jo- Instagram joke. Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, I know that we're supposed to reduce, uh, but this is me reusing. Aha, yes, I see. Well, thank you, James, for doing that, and that's been breaking down. But before we get to all of that, oh my God, is is there something we should? Is there a detective? Is there something we should be smelling? James, there was a show I fell in love with. (gasps) Paul, you want to tell me about a show you fell in love with? I do. Now, this is fell in love with a show. It's where we talk about a show we saw. And it's it's usually reserved for Jack Wade. (laughs) But in this case, Mm -hmm. I am bringing this up because this band did perform on this tour at Third Man Records and uh, posed for pictures in the shop. That would be the band James Wetleg, who are, I would argue, the best band in the universe. Uh, They are amazing. Mm -hmm. And I first got introduced to them about a year ago by Sean Cannon, who posted about their song Shays Long. And I fell in love with this thing instantly and have been a... Uh, an avid follower of their adventures. They were a band with only one song for quite a while. Mm-hmm. And every time they put out a new song, it's a freaking banger and it's awesome. And I attest, like, I don't know, for my money, I really do think that they're the best band out there today. Like the best. Again, for my taste, for my money, they are the young wildness, the new wildness that Jack talked about during the boarding house reach cycle where we're looking for the the new wildness nothing about them seems reverent it's not like other groups that are playing rock and roll music where they very much make wear on their sleeve what they're into and why they're doing this they are making wet leg i mean are making music that sounds really young and sounds really full of energy and experience that is intrinsic to their particular generation using kind of this grungy pop rock sound that sounds more like it came out of Pearl Jam and Nirvana than it does coming out of the garage rock revolution, which is interesting because you don't really see that kind of lineage expressed much these days. You see it more of like people, I don't know, after the indie boom, that indie boom wasn't really about Nirvana. That indie boom was about 70s and 60s rock kind of returning. So 
I find all that very fascinating, and I love them to tears. And I saw them at the Fonda out here in L.A., and uh, that's the same venue in which I've seen many a show, including Faye Webster recently, and I saw Margo Price Margo there. Price? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She gave me a hug at the, at the Fonda. <laughs> Uh, she, she saw I was wearing the uh, Margo Price shirt and gave me a hug, and it was really, really sweet. She was fond of that. Hey, yo. So, hey, I, <laughs> so I got there really early to ride the rail, and uh, James, I give James up to the minute what P, mm-hmm. what the old P-man's up to at the concert details. I, so, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to halt the train for one second, Paul. That introduction to what wet leg is to you, I just want to say we've been pretending to be music journalists for years now, and that... <laughs> I, Paul, you've done it. You've ascended. <laughs> You're now at, like, that was beautiful and a very amazing description. And what I did by making the Fonda pun, I've, yeah. I've regressed <laughs> back to morning, back to morning zoo. We really went to different levels mm-hmm. of, of radio there. And I'm proud of you, Paul, I'm proud of you for taking the high road. And it's, I'm going to continue to take the low road. It's just a question of <laughs> dynamics. You know, we need dynamics. Anyway, I, I sent James up to the minute concert info. The last time I did one, I called uh, James. To, I texted James to tell him I was Eunice the Untouchable at a show wherein I plant my feet and extend my arms slightly and do not let anyone waft into my field. For Who, those of you unaware, Eunice the Untouchable <laughs> is a character from X Men from I want to say number like twelve, he's two, like two, I, I number think, two. I think he's number two. That was that was Stan Lee's best thing to come up with after Magneto. I'm surprised there's no Eunice movie coming out. But yeah, he is. Uh, his whole thing is that he's not touchable. You can't touch him. I become Eunice the Untouchable show, but this he's time he's essentially a, a man covered in grease. You can't touch him. <laughs> but you know what happens in a in a pit? People, you know, everyone's covered in grease. People get, kind of push a little. They try and get closer. They they see how far you're willing to not be touched. Mm-hmm. The, the, sometimes there's a little elbow, right? And oh, then yeah. my, your reaction, your natural reaction to an elbow to the rib cage is to move. And people use that to kind of elbow their way to the front. And what I'm saying is, I'm not moving. I am Eunice. I am untouchable. Paul is, Paul is growing extra ribs. <laughs> Back to the show. So I, I didn't have to do it this time because I was on the rail. And let me tell you, I was my I was akimbo and I had my elbows <laughs> on there. No one was getting in. And it was a, a very pleasant, uh, accommodating crowd. So I'm on the rails and they have an opener. The band is called Mama. And Mama is much more in the very direct, alternative, grungy kind of sound. Although I quite liked it. It's songs built around riffs. They're a little quiet. They seemed a little green. But I liked the music enough to to pick up one of their EPs digitally, and it was quite good. So anyway, that's Mama. I would recommend the track Medicine by Mama. It's on the Rockstar sort of single EP. Anyway, they're quite good. And after Mama, the Wet Leg Ladies and band came out and they were just on fire and they were having fun. And all their songs have kind of a vaguely like sexy sort of thing happening there, but it's not porny. You know, it's not like Charlie XCX kind of thing. It's more of like a regular person at a party. It's Randy. It's Randy. Yeah, it's Randy. Uh, And they also have kind of quirky things in their videos. For example, in the song Wet Dream, they are dressed in this what appears to be vaguely sort of Amish looking bonnet and long dress, but they have crab hands. And there were cosplayers 
as the crab people in the audience for this who had the claw hands, the bonnet, the dress. They were both dudes. And they are snapping their claws in the air. And it was really, really awesome. I mean, the place was packed. I went there with Jamie S. Rich, who has appeared on the show before, who, by the way, showed up with uh, some Third Man Records London paraphernalia for me. I now have a Third Man Records London pin, bottle opener, and patch. Thank you, Jamie. That was wonderful. But the wet leg ladies were on fire. They, they were doing sort of synchronized shifting and stuff. They just look like they're having so much fun. They started skipping around each other at one point. And then there was a, a time in the show where they both got on the floor and got on their backs like turtles and started cartwheeling around each other while playing <laughs> it was i can't really describe i have a bunch of pictures of it um if anyone's interested i can share the video to the inst- to our instagram but it was really 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 awesome rock show it was the kind of feeling i used to get from early jack stuff when it was just like piss and vinegar and energy and fire and all that stuff and you know shows change over time yeah. artists change over time None of this is a slight on, on Jack or anybody else like that, but it did. It felt so young. It felt so energetic. It's got some of that Iggy Pop energy. Yeah. As, as, Without the peanut butter and blood. Uh, somebody <laughs> threw a bonnet onto the stage for Shays Long because they wear bonnets in the video. Yes, I think their their original aesthetic was kind of pigeonholed into cottage core because of that video. Right. Uh, which is a, a, a current uh, trend, but uh, they are much more than, than cottage core. So. Yes. So anyway, I had a I had a blast. No encore because they don't have that many songs. <laughs> they have what five? Well, I heard the whole new album live. Oh, well, that's good. So that's good stuff. That's only yes. That's only the first like one of a handful of times where I've heard a new album before I've gotten the chance to actually listen to it. Like that happened with me in Saint Vincent. That ha- it'll happen to us with Jack White. Probably we will be hearing some entering having a, having alive stuff. Probably. Oh yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I didn't think um, about that. So I'll be seeing them in April. So anyway, everybody check out Wet Leg. They showed up at Third Man. That's the, the excuse I'm going to take to talk <laughs> about this. And that's been fell in love with the show. Also, you saw him taking photos with a dog. I was. I, yes. And I was going to start. I was going to try and engage. And then other people started surrounding them. And I started to get the sense that they did not want to be mobbed. Mm. And so I took my photos alongside their official tour photographer like basically just standing right behind him taking similar photos <laughs> <laughs> paul's like i got i got duplicates yeah. if you need <laughs> this has been fell over the show paul that sounded great all right I said it was before, but it repeating now. fear the dawn let's talk about it we're not talking about that one i'm sorry uh entering heaven alive let's talk about it We've already feared the dawn. Yeah. Now we're entering heaven alive. Interesting title, that. Yeah. uh, Well, via Third Man, Entering Heaven Alive is the fifth studio album by Jack White, founding member of the White Stripes, the Tours, and the Dead Weather, if you didn't know. (laughs) And true to his DIY roots, this record was recorded at White's Third Man studio throughout 2021 and mastered by Third Man Mastering, pressed to vinyl at Third Man Pressing, and released by Third Man Records in coming in the summer of 2022. It's definitely got sequel album vibes, but it's uh, interesting in that he he Back to the Future did. He recorded Back to the Future 2 and 3 at the same time. Yeah, I uh, I love it when that happens. Because everything feels a little more... Mm, it meshes a little better. Even though these, these songs are apparently 
different enough to to warrant their own. It feels more in the moment. So you have a snapshot, a larger snapshot of his mind at the time. Yeah. Or a more broad snapshot of his mind at the time. There's a continuity to it. It's like uh, mm. tug of war and pipes of peace. That's the the word continuity. Yes, uh, exactly. Pipes of Peace has the sequel song to Tug of War on it. Yes, yeah, very directly. Entering Heaven Alive is so far been, he's been flip-flopping the singles. Uh, so all the music we've heard has both been A-sides and B-sides to Fear of the Dawn material. So he really is intertwining them. Even even though they're not on the same album, he's, he's making them go together. An A-side album and a B-side album. <laughs> I do, I do, I know it's just going to come across as hot air at this point, but I do lament the loss of the the true B side. It's well, just we dumb. got some. It's just we dumb. got some. What well, we got, we got the the like Amazon music stuff yeah. during yeah. you know Raconteurs your, and during Boarding House Reach. We got I'm your you know puppet. the yeah, which so we get we get tastes of it. The Tom Petty running down a dream. I don't know if that yeah. ever came out officially. Running down a dream. I don't know either, but when we're also getting, you know, even on this album, we're getting some live quote unquote cuts of the band practicing. So we're we're still getting material that could otherwise be relegated to B side. We're just not getting it in that in name only. (laughs) I know (laughs) know, it's it's... just I I think about parallel and power of your love and right the production value obviously very high for those and and just as high as the rest of the song. It'd be nice to hear stuff that couldn't make it onto the album your saturday night live cut for times yeah yeah right right, right. <laughs> yeah but anyway i mean i don't mean this to be like bitching about that because i know like a lot of people do it's it, it's just something i miss because i liked that but yeah since we discussed fear the dawn there was a new interview so i would i would like to to really dive deep into this interview that has come out since we recorded that which is the spin magazine interview yeah which has some really really interesting stuff some stuff that i i makes a lot of sense now. So this is all via Spin Magazine. Jack White said that he was, quote, completely disinterested in writing music during COVID. I don't know how I would release an album without ever touring behind it. I've never done that. And it scared me to think about not doing one without the other. It's hard to get excited about. So that explains a lot of why (laughs) he was doing a lot of upholstery. Dodge and and burn. I know. Look, he did play a show with a couple shows with touch and burn all right all right you know he couldn't this is a solo tour he couldn't do that's interesting that he feels that strongly about it i don't I does mean, he imply is he implying here that it's it's habit it's com, it's a comfort to have the both he goes then into how you know when he writes the music it's in that moment and then when you're playing it later it's gone that moment's gone you can still get into it but that moment's gone and he he actually equates it to he's like if it's like if i uh started touring blunderbuss now like i could get it but i wouldn't be in that yeah headspace sure that makes sense you yeah. know I, I, I kind of understand. He apparently hunkered down in Kalamazoo, Michigan during COVID for, lo- for large portions of it. Writing music, he said he was in a new mental space, partly because of a severely restricted diet, which explains why he's looking, you know, quite slender and, and, and you know, maybe he's got a different attitude. He's, he's looking happier. He's, but he's, he's fasting, right? Yes. Uh, with the exception of coffee and water, White adhered to a strict long-term fasting diet inspired by Upton Sinclair's 
the fasting cure from 1911, which makes <laughs> it tracks. It totally tracks. I was going to say, because fa- that's fasting is a thing. I've known people who have done that recently, but it tracks that Jax is He's, inspired he by Upton Sinclair. The, <laughs> he read a book from the turn of the century, yeah. as he does, and went, that's a great idea. Yeah. He said the text opened his eyes to fasting being a cure for a lot of things, quote, unquote. He'd go five days at a time without eating, which is a long time. Yeah. Uh, and he said it inspired some of the best work of his career. Wow. That is a, that's a long stretch. Yeah. Uh, especially with coffee, I would be bouncing yeah. off the walls, yeah. jittery and anxious. I mean, he also doesn't, notoriously doesn't have a... Well, he has a phone, but he doesn't use it often. So he's probably not looking at the news the same way the rest of us were at that time. Yes. Yeah. I mean, we know he's on the Instagram. Yes. I do find it very fun that he finds Instagram, like, interesting. <laughs> I, I, it, I mean, I, I too, find it way more interesting than most other social media outlets. Yeah. And also Olivia's on there and, and helping him out. So mm-hmm. is that. He he goes on to say that I thought I hadn't written a song in a year and a half because I'd been on tour with the Rack and Tours before that, and it was going to be like now this is a good time to go and spend by myself alone, and if I'm going to do that, maybe I should write a couple songs while I'm here. Hmm. And he called that week exhilarating, and he was on fire with energy and would wake up at five a.m. for a bike ride. <laughs> so he's not eating. He's riding bikes. Yeah, he's out there. He's out there. He's writing music. He said his body got acclimated and he'd sit down at the piano or the guitar and tender ballads and folky numbers poured out. So really like this this change in his life and this upheaval in his normal circadian rhythms right, right. is causing him to write softer music, huh. which is, you know, kind of kind of neat. I wonder I wonder how touring affects his state of mind to write music i wonder how yeah. like is he clearly he writes different music with different bands so mindsets uh, do change the kind of musical direction you know uh we've, we've seen it happen with boarding house reach we've seen it happen with the rack and tours yeah but it's still it's still signature jack you know love is selfish it's still got that even though it's tender it's still got that little bite to it. It's still got... Yes. He has that about his songs, which I really like, an acknowledgement that emotion causes him to do certain things, at, at, but also he hates it. Yeah. But I guess it's like a Love Interruption. It's like... Um, well, I guess that one's a little different because that's I want love to do these things for me. But it's you find it as far back as The White Stripes where he's talking about these emotions and things that happen to him. Mm-hmm. And that cause him to do things that he doesn't like that he does or he feels out of control of. It's a, th- a thread throughout his entire career, really. But I do like that it is back to being sonically consistent with a song like Love is Selfish, which I know we'll get to. But Well, I mean, Love is Selfish is a perfect example of what he describes as gentle, a gentle Sunday morning album. <laughs> um <laughs> It's got a little Cat Stevens on it-ish, a little, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's also a lot of acoustic. You know, the music video is at an American Legion. It's it feels more intimate. I want to talk about these lyrics too. I mean, I, I'm not, I, we'll get to it. I, I imagine, mm-hmm. but when we get to it, I really do want to talk about some of these lyrics. I know we've we've discussed it, but he said the playlists on my computer were all heavy ones and all soft ones, and I would try to make a soft one, put it in, and juxtapose with a heavy one, but it wasn't working the way it usually did. They were too different. 
Uh, and in a way, the harder ones stayed together and the softer ones stayed together. Hmm. Not just that they're quieter and softer, but they worked together and had a nice flow to them. And other people were mentioning it as well in the interview. Dominic Davis was listening to the album with him and also agreed that these songs don't really match the same way they usually do. So did Ben Swank, who does play on uh, Entering Heaven Whoa. Alive. Nice. Yeah. He and he's a he drums on Entering Heaven Alive for a tip from you to me and please God don't tell anyone. And he said that he didn't play anything to uh, for me before the session. And at first he figured he was just jamming with Jack on some demos, but later learned that was not the case. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's also something we've heard before. Yeah. Yes. Uh, he said it was unique for me because I'm not really in recording sessions. I just tried to do what I do, play really straightforward. I think it's some of his best song writing, and so that. That's where we, we, we jump to the, the track list. Well, I, I do want to mention, though, uh, recently listening to our father's Beatle podcast yesterday and today, he got up to the album Double Fantasy by John and Yoko. And there are two tracks in which Cheap Trick were the go-to musicians to do those two specific tracks. It was um, Losing You mm-hmm. and Moving On. And... When you hear the Cheap Trick versions, which, by the way, were the first versions, you think, wow, these should have come out on the album. Or, you know, these these are better. These are objectively better. But what happened was Yoko convinced John and producer Jack Douglas that it would sound too jarringly different. You would have you have one band and it sounds one way. And then suddenly in the middle, there's this thing that feels completely out of place because it brings a different energy. The songs have Mm -hmm. a different life to them because of the musicians and the tone and everything. So what they wound up doing was taking taking their arrangements and just having the studio band do them. And you do get a more consistent sounding record that way. Although, you know, again, I I would argue they are superior versions. The Cheap Trick versions are superior, but... I, I get that want for consistency is what I'm getting at. It makes sense from an arrangement standpoint. And I would argue that it's possible to arrange something in a way that would make it cohesive enough to, to an average listener. But you have something like Impossible Winner. Yeah, on, right. Sore thumb. Like It's a great it, thumb, it's, but it's sore. <laughs> it's, yeah, it sticks out. You have something like Thoughts and Prayers, which, though not radically different... That one feels a little more consistent to me, but I know what you mean. So there's there's usually, you know, one or two outliers. Yeah. Uh, Blue Orchid on right. Get Behind Me Satan. That's a feels great, one. great example. Very different. Yeah. Out of place. Could it work? Maybe. Uh, am I disappointed that we're getting two Jack albums because yeah, of no, it? No, of course no. not. Yeah. No, it's fine. But well, uh, the, the track list uh, is as follows. It starts with a song that Ben Swank is drumming on, A Tip From You To Me. Mm-hmm. We have track two, All Along The Way. Three, Help Me Along. Four, Love Is Selfish. Five, I've Got You Surrounded With My Love. That sounds very... <laughs> 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 sounds very Jack. It's actually, um, the title reminds me about, like, uh, of something he would have come up with, uh, with the stripes. Or, inf- or Infected By Love. Yes. Taking a, a sweet thing and putting a sour on it. Six, we got Queen of the Bees. We have seven, A Tree on Fire from Within. Uh, eight, If I Die Tomorrow. Nine, Please God Don't Tell Anyone. <laughs> Ten, A Madman from Manhattan. <laughs> and eleven, Taking Me Back Gently. So uh, there seems to be a running theme in the titles to me. When I first saw this track list, I, I think I texted Paul. I was like, this sounds 
Sounds like this guy's in love. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This, these songs all have a flowery naming convention. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the man's having feelings. Yeah, he's having feelings. That's fine. I'm interested. I'm very interested in, in hearing a lot of these these tunes. And that brings us to the singles that have been coming out for them. It started with Taking Me Back Gently, came out the, as the B-side to Taking Me Back. When you take out the figures and you pull all the triggers, well, you're taking me back. Yes, you're taking me back. When you listen to mystics as you lay at your picnics, well, you're taking me back. You are I think you and I both sort of liked this one more, even though I think we both liked both sides. Yes. It's a softer version of Taking Me Back. It's it's quieter. I, I feel like it's quieter in the mix, even. I was just happy uh, to hear a fiddle again. Um, <laughs> yes. The fiddle by... Because it's been a long time. Fats Kaplan on fiddle. We got Fats Kaplan on violin there. We have Jack White on vocals and lead acoustic. We have Patrick Keeler on trap. Pokey Lafarge making his triumphant return <laughs> to the to the Jack White solo material on rhythm acoustic. Dominic Davis on upright bass. Olivia Jean on shakers. Fats Kaplan violin. And Corey Younts on piano. Uh, we're getting a who's who. I think we talked about this last time, but it's a who's who of third man orbit just kind of coming in and shaking it up it's nice patrick, it's nice to hear patrick keeler that's a soft version of patrick keeler not that he's incapable of that he's like i think we talked about with joe ciccarelli he plays to the song really really well i mean call it a day pretty soft song yeah that's that's true i don't know but it's that, that shuffle it's something unusual i wonder if he'll come out and join them on the afghan wigs opening act portions of the of the the tour coming up the supply chain issues tour not just to play rack and tour stuff but maybe he'll play the brushes on this one it would be cool although on the rack and tours tour we did not get lily may or scarlet true playing the true the, the violin and they had every opportunity to do that yes they were all, they were there so eh, i mean i wouldn't be surprised if it didn't happen either because i think they they tend to separate the opening acts pretty spaciously. Plus, Patrick might just want to watch the show. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, is it possible that Brendan was simply incapable of remembering the parts to a song that long? <laughs> <He's>... <laughs> Brendan remembered "Single Pigeon Exists," so the weed That's isn't right. getting too much to his head. That's right. That's right. That's a great cover too. It's, it's a really good cover. That's a great cover. Our local weed man, Brendan Benson, he's doing great. He's his doing music's it. He's great in there. Yeah. He's making new music. I'm, I'm excited. He's making new music. He's stuff. tweeting questionable things. He's doing all he's kinds tweeting, of stuff. <laughs> yeah. He's, well, he's never stopped tweeting questionable <laughs> things. Anyway, love the tune. Uh, taking me back gently. We've gone over it ad nauseum at this point, mm-hmm. but it, it's what we wanted to, I think me and you wanted to hear. Yeah. Then we move on to the second single in the mix. We have Love is Selfish, which is the A-side on this uh, was B-side the... being Fear the Dawn. That was the B-side to Love is Selfish? Yeah. Love is such a selfish thing It's always crying me, me, me It's always trying to mess up all my plans And I work real hard to make you understand And try my best to help you understand All right, I want to talk about these lyrics here. 
because there are times in these lyrics where I feel like there's some of his best writing. And then there are times in these lyrics where I'm like, that's a weird thing for you to have said. Okay, so love is such a selfish thing. Great. Mm -hmm. It's always crying me, me, me. Now, that that one feels a little white stripesy. It does kind of roll off, but on first listen, I was like, feel like it's an interesting approach and it's always trying to mess up all my plans so that mess up i don't know i feel like there's a very there's almost a childlike simplicity to some of the sentiment the me 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 and the mess up seem kind of like back in that white stripesy kind of juvenile headspace i guess not to take up too much more time with this but like i feel it more interesting because he's personifying a feeling rather than a lover. Uh, yeah. It's taking something a little more abstract and warping it into a thing you can tangibly feel and see and interact with, I think is more interesting. But it, it reads to me like a first pass that stuck that he liked. Sure. This is all supposition. The man's not, the man hasn't eaten in five now, <laughs> now I like this couplet here. And I work real hard to make you understand. Make. That's very, mm, you know, I'm, yes. I'm going to do this to you. Yeah. I try my best to help you understand. And then he softens it. So that's that's an interesting pairing. I actually really, really like that that pairing. I've been trying over the years to try and overcome these fears, but nothing I come up with proves I can. That is a beautiful line. That's a whole, I love that. But nothing I come up with proves I can. It's back to that whole, like, he treats everything like a test. <laughs> or uh, he's so he's so hard on himself. It's that it's in sitting in his easy chair. Well, yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's that back to that cat of nine tails Catholic whipping shit, which I think he's got like work through based just based on hearing his songwriting. But it still pops up all the time. So I'm on a train, but I cannot rest upon it. I'm on a train, but it won't stay on the rails. And I've got a sailboat with her name painted on it. I like that. That's fun. That is a great line. And then, but I don't know how to sail. Now, I, I know I actually have warmed up to that following thing because it's really funny <laughs> and it paints the picture. Someone smarter than me and you might end up solving a clue or two, but could they make it happen with their hands? And they could they build it up from nothing with their hands i could lose my mind just trying to understand that is a great what what a wonderful set of lyrics there wow i love it that someone smarter than me and you might end up solving a clue or two it's just that's i mean it's a simple rhyme you too but it's really beautifully orchestrated i love i love the flow of it it has a bit of a even a hip-hoppy kind of flow to it or country hip-hop thing and then it, it, it repeats other lines at the end here i really enjoy hearing him complain about controlling the uncontrollable <laughs> often used for him as as inspiration and, and fodder for music uh, because he does seem to like to control the uncontrollable in general he likes the struggle and he likes to rein in things that are wild and harder you know impossible to get under control and try and tame them i think that, that this feeling has a direct correlation to his airline guitar you know it's yeah. it's trying to make this thing that is actively trying to change and trying to make it so that it fits your desires and needs and stuff and you can't do that with with love and you can't do that with an airline guitar paul <laughs> it's impossible <laughs> right yeah well i like i like the comparison to the train because 
the train when you're on a train that's when you rest because you're not doing anything you're not driving the train seeming you know usually it's something out of your control but i love that he says he's he's on this train but he can't rest you know a train by its very nature is something that is built to go in one to one place and a train is one of the most controlled yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, you know things on earth so if you're driving it but having a train that does not do what you want it to do is is interesting as a as a thought experiment yeah a train that cannot stay on the rails is a bad train it's It's a bad first of all it's a bad train (laughs) it's a car at that point it's really well no not even but that's the difference and that's why i like that he used train for that because train yeah it, it's you are loading yourself upon it with a destination in mind and it and all these other people are on it you have no control all you know is that it's supposed to go where you think it's going to go because there are tracks mm-hmm. and then you can kind of relax while you're on there you've already made your decision you're going to this place you're on this thing it's not like a car where you could slam on the brakes turn around or whatever but this one he can't rest and there are no tr- it won't stay on the tracks it keeps flying off <laughs> <laughs> it's back to the future three the train is, the, <laughs> anyway, is yeah I, it's the delorean now yeah i i like i like this song a lot a lot a lot a lot there's a couple lines that bother me but that's it, they don't bother me like to the point where i'm like these are bad i'm just i do find them it's interesting there's this line has some of my favorite writing of his and some of like the writing where i'm like yeah but like love it overall love the song well, that's selfish of you, Paul. Uh, <laughs> this there is a video for it. Well, first, the the song is seemingly of all the credits I could find, just completely Jack White on acoustic and bass guitar. It's mixed by Bill Skibb and engineered by Bill Skibb. The video was recorded at the American Legion. A really fun video, super fun, where Jack is like trying to <laughs> go through doors he can't get through, and it's entertaining. And I love you get video, to see. Yeah. It reminds me of a White Stripes era video. Uh, the video was directed by Jack, which is cool seeing him uh, do some directing. And all of the videos that have come out so far have had uh, Brad Holland attached to it, doing some some artwork and, and various editing and, and stuff, and director of photography in certain instances, which Brad Holland, you know, has done work with Jack in the past. We've seen his work on uh, Black Bat Licorice oh. music video. Did he do that? He wasn't the, the guy who did that uh, psychedelic right, thing. Right, right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so next we move on from Love is Selfish to Queen of the Bees, which is the B-side to Heidi Ho. Which is excellent. Like, just yes. Awesome. <laughs> It's such a weird sounding song, especially juxtaposed to Heidi Ho, which is a, a weird song in and itself. And this is the one single I'll go like, yeah, I can see why Jack didn't want to pair some of these together. Right. <laughs> but he went and he paired these two together. Queen of the Bees is such a drastic departure from Heidi Ho. Yeah. It's got a hum, a buzz to it, from <laughs> like, like a, a buzz chorus. Yeah. It feels like a song straight, like a Motown song almost. It feels like straight out of the the 50s 60s era yeah a little little cab calloway a little uh hobie carmichael yeah. cab calloway is a great example because heidi ho is all about cab calloway <laughs> maybe that's why he paired him 
That's true. I got nothing but praise for this song. It, it took me a second to warm up to it. Really? Yeah. This one hit me instantly. I think it felt a little, the with the buzzing and the stuff, it felt a little on the cornier side for a second. Whoa! Yes, but it but it was only for the first listen, and then the second listen, I'm like, no, this is great. This first <laughs> this first couplet here, I feel lonely when I'm left all alone. I feel homely when you leave me at home. That sold me right there, because homely means like you're not terribly attractive. So there, there's nice, fun double meaning there. You're leaving the person at home because they look homely, but that's what's making them feel homely because they're at in a home. <laughs> Funny, 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 funny to me. I love that so much. No, the the lyrics are all really entertaining and extremely clever on this. But it, it I think what the my first reaction was this sounds vaguely like something you'd hear on Splash Mountain or something along really? those lines. Yeah. It reminds- I think that's <laughs> I think that's where my brain went because it's sweet. It's sickly sweet in a way, which I think is the point. It reminded me of One Day at a Time from Mind Games. You are my weakness. You are my strength. You know, it, it plays with the opposites. Nothing I have in this world makes better sense because I'm the honey and you're the bee. I, I got maybe that's simply why it struck me as that. But Jack also kind of plays with similar themes here. I don't I don't think he was doing it intentionally. But, oh, honey, can't you see? I want to hold you like a sloth hugs a tree. Cause I do I, like that. Because I crave you like a glass needs wine. But I'm worried that I'm wasting your time. I crave you like a glass needs wine. Some of his best lyrics. I'm telling you, on this Entering Heaven Alive, the lyrics are just on fire. For sure. And this song is something you don't hear often from him, which is insecurity. The whole thing is about him feeling unworthy of Hmm. his lover because you have... Like you said, he's feeling homely and, and stuff. You see, uh, I'm a fly on the wall and you're the queen of the bees. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Really good lyric. Yeah. It's but, great. Yeah. It's a great lyric. Yeah. The other lyric that really gets me is the, the coffee is warm, but it's not too good. Yeah, and I like, I, I think everyone can relate. Everyone who's a coffee drinker can relate to bad, bad, warm coffee because it's comforting, but also you wish it was better. Yeah. <laughs> I only like the good, not too good, as part of the couplet with, or maybe it's misunderstood. It's misunderstood. And then, but then by the end of the song, it's, who cares if I'm misunderstood? Misunderstood. So yes. I think this is com- him coming around. I love that. In fact, you know what? This might, oh no. The beehive. What? Oh no, that's, I, Paul, I was going to say it and I didn't know if I should put it on the pod. Let's take a stroll to the end of the street. Put your hand in my pocket so the neighbors can see. This is, I think this song is about him no longer feeling the need to hide his romantic feelings or maybe I, not I, the need but him letting go of that sure i can see that i think when i saw the the title i instantly went there as well i i'm just that's just dawning on me right literally right now but the but well, the i beehive, fear the dawn yeah. paul <laughs> it does i i don't know this this reads like a like somebody who is just now showing their feelings on a level that before then they were not either comfortable doing or capable of doing and whether whatever that means you know i mean jack writes a character so this is also maybe it's it's less about insecurity and more about breaking away from that insecurity to become more comfortable in that role this new selfish loving role (laughs) 
Because I love you like my mother loves me. I want to hold you like an ant climbs like an a tree. an ant climbs a tree. Let's take a stroll to the end of the street. I'm a fly on the wall, and you're the queen of the bees. That's a, it's, it's beautiful. A beautiful. It's a beautiful song. song. Beautiful song. Anyway, that's what we got right now. We'll be getting a seven-inch version of that later. We get that on the day Fear of the Dawn comes out. There'll be a seven-inch version of oh, that. Oh, nice. But uh, as of right now, I think we only have a seven-inch of Taking Me Back. And I don't know if there's one yet of, is there one of Love is Selfish? I know it has unique album art. I don't know if the actual 7-inch came out yet or not. But Anyway, Paul, that's that's what I got right now for, for Entering Heaven Alive. I'm excited. I'm excited for this album. I'm going to paraphrase something Jack said about this album pairing of this. A lot of people are going to love the first of these two albums, but I think they're going to walk away liking the second album three times as much. Ah. But he he understands that the, the the first album to come out is going to get a lot of the attention and the praise because it's the first album back in a while, and the second album is going to kind of be less pushed. But he he thinks that the people who listen to it are going to like it a lot more. So I don't know. I'm interested. Yeah, very interested. Thank you for doing that dive, James. This is great talking all about entering heaven alive. Uh, and we'd also like to thank uh, everybody else out there for supporting the show this season. I know we've got two new albums coming up. We're really excited. James and I have a lot of big life events on the horizon, but we mm-hmm. are uh, endeavoring to continue to to make shows for you for the rest of the season. We've got some exciting ones coming up, a handful of interviews, which are going to be really, really fun. We'd also like to remind you all that if you you know, you know do want to support us, support the show, you can donate to our uh, Patreon. There's an ad for that at the end of the show. And we'd like to thank our current Patreon patrons. I know we haven't done this uh, in the season yet, but I'm going to go ahead and do this. Stephen Reese of the Stephen <clears throat> Nation Army, or possibly wow. Old Mary Full of Reese, <laughs> which we haven't. I don't know if we ever settled on. Thank you, Stephen. Ashley Forbes, Steady Ashley Goes. Shane Benjamson, the Shane boy you've always known. Melinda Endress, you look pretty in your fancy Endress. Elizabeth Myers rolling in on a burning Myers. Brett Garski, the Brett 3 killed Mike Garski. Yvette Wilkins, Wilkins on Sunshine. Brenda Englehart, we want to be those boys. To warm your Englehart. Kate McCoy, the bones of the operation. Stu Cat, or Stu Driver. The $3 hat migs. Melinda Tay Lord send me an angel down. Josh Aiken, or Joe Shaken all over. Luke Sinclair, Luke me over closely. Tam Davis, third person, spirit every wig. Michael Brookfield, the bone Brookfield, and Derek forever. <laughs> I would also like to thank, uh, give a special thanks to Josh Aiken for the awesome trade. Uh, Josh and I did a little bit of an exchange arena there, and I got some really cool shit in the mail I was not expecting. But I really love everything, Josh, that you put Ooh. in that box there. I got... So much cool stuff. And the Billie Eilish is the thing that I really wanted. And I listened to that thing, and it's awesome. That live version that she did with Phineas at Third Man was awesome. I have to also... (laughs) I'm going to learn what you got right now, aren't I? Yes, if you got time. (laughs) How much time you got? This is a a big thank you to, to Vito Hicks. He asked me and Paul, the first person to give us our address gets a thing. So naturally, I instantly gave him <laughs> my home address uh-huh. Uh-huh. to this man, who we love, Vito Hicks. Yeah, uh, and he, the flying Vito, and uh, he then was so kind to send me. Uh, hold on, don't click on anything yet. I'm gonna go get it. I'll okay, right. all right, all right. He was so kind to send me this package from Third Man Nashville. I'm gonna open it. 
I'm gonna open it for Paul. I I already got my peepers on this one for Paul, so this is the first time Paul's seeing it. He writes, Thank you for what you do for the Third Man fan base as a whole. It's amazing that one little podcast can bring so many people together. Things like that make life a little more beautiful. You guys are awesome. Keep it up. We're the Third Men. Vito Hicks. Very nice letter. Thank you. Appreciate it. And then he sent us this, Paul. Oh, my God. <laughs> so this is a uh, a recording from Third Man's recording booth that you can do. It's on vinyl. It's record your own voice direct to vinyl. Hear it. Play it. Mail it. It was mailed to us from Third Man Records. It is... The Third Men Podcast theme song cover by Vito Hicks. Oh, my. And God. true to Vito's form, it is the funniest thing he does. Can, can we acapella? It, we could play can it. Can we play it? He, yeah, does an, play it? he does an acapella version of our song, <laughs> which... So let's play that whole, whole thing. Let's play the yeah, whole thing. Yeah, it's like three minutes Good. long. Perfect. And it's, it's We're the Third Men. <laughs> no, don't, don't spoil it. Play we it. I want to hear it. The third. I want to hear it. Uh, so, thank you so much, Vito. This was beautiful and wonderful, and I appreciate it. This is something I will treasure along with the record Paul made for me of our podcast on vinyl. So it's it's great. I love it, and thank you again. We have the best listeners. Thank you so much. Uh, we we love this show. You know, oftentimes our wives will ask us, eh, "How long are you going to do this?" <laughs> and uh, our answer is, well, it's as long as, it as takes. long as it's fun, and it's still fun, and and we really just love to talk to not only the people from the Third Men world, but to just make all kinds of friends. And you know, we had a great episode with Amy Hart this season, and we've had Josh on the show before. In fact, we had another episode suggestion just the other day, and I think we're going to do that one too from a listener. So, anyway, thank you all. I will be looking for a home. Uh, cuddling with Vito inside the Record Your Own Voice <laughs> record booth. And I will be looking for a home in a beehive as a fly on the wall. Okay, well, I'll see you next time, folks. Uh, bye. bye. Hey, James. Hey, Paul. It's your pal Vito here at uh, Third Man Records in Nashville with my buddy, uh, you know, good old Carl Butterball here. We uh, dropped by on a little vacation here, and I uh, figured I wanted to get you guys something, but I don't really know what to do, and I'm not good at singing. Originally, I was going to sing the uh, theme song to the podcast, but uh, like I said, I can't sing at all, so I figured I'm going to get you guys a lovely acapella cover of the Third Men podcast theme song. <clears throat> here goes nothing. We're the Third Men. 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 We are the third men. Yep, we're still the third men. Um, we're the third man. Uh, Uma Thurman is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about uh, the third man, and that's who we are. Because we're the third man. 
Yep, we're still the big bet. This is a lot longer than what I thought it was going to be. And we still have like 50 seconds left, and I apologize. Um, but in case you weren't sure, we're still the third men. <clears throat> wow, we're still the third men. This is a lot longer than what I thought it would be. Where's the third men? Where's the third men? Where's the third men? We're the third men. We're the third men. We are the third men. We're the third men. We're the third men. We are still the third men. I have nine seconds left. And guess what, guys? Third Man Podcast was created, edited, and produced by Paul and James Kaminsky. Our theme song, We're the Third Men, was recorded by the band Radkey, who can be found at radkey.net. To contact the show, visit thirdmenpodcast.com or email thirdmenpodcast at gmail.com. Also visit at the third men underscore podcast on Instagram, at third men cast on Twitter, and search the third men on Facebook. Thanks to our Patreon patrons, to everyone who has rated, reviewed, and subscribed, and see you next time. Back to our song. Hey everybody, Paul here with a quick message for you. As James and I mentioned many times on the show, this podcast is 100% not for profit and a labor of our love for music. We pride ourselves in bringing you interesting, timely content as we have these past 100 plus episodes. Podcasting is, however, a weirdly expensive process and we actually lose money on hosting, time, equipment, advertising, and all the other little things that we need to do to make these shows for you. So, to help break even on some expenses like those, James and I have set up a Patreon account where you can, if you like chip in a few bucks to help keep the lights on it can be as much or as little as you can swing and all donations are greatly appreciated the last thing we want to do is hound anybody for cash so just know that listening to our show is always payment enough but if you would like to help us out that would be amazing all right it's all from me remember you can head to patreon.com slash third men podcast and a huge thank you to everyone who's donated already all right everybody I'll see you on the show. And I'm Wayne Kaminsky. You are all invited to join us on a magical mystery trip through the lives of the Beatles every week on the Yesterday and Today podcast. This show details the chronological journey of the world's most famous band using music, interviews, and rarities collected since the debut of John, Paul, George, and Ringo onto the world stage. We're a fan-made production, and we're available now on iTunes and wherever you find your podcasts. So sit back, relax, and download the stream. We hope you will enjoy the show.